Well, I told Joe, and he sure followed orders. I said, don't cut song short, because if you do, we're in trouble. And he didn't, so, and I appreciate it. You know, it's funny how God works. My lesson today is on fear God and keep his commandments. And then Trevor's focus brought up how to fear God. You know, it's always, I've always believed fear of the Lord. And then we get into discussions because once you become a Christian and grow in your faith, you're not supposed to fear him any longer. Well, you still fear him. And, my, and he said it the best way I've heard it. And I was going to try to explain this morning. That when I was a little kid, I feared my dad greatly. Because let me assure you, when he told you something, that's what happened. He promised you a whipping, you isn't going to get one. And that's why we have to fear the Lord. The Lord says fear is the beginning of knowledge. But somewhere between fearing them for the punishment that's coming, it turns into reverent fear. And that's, I hadn't quite put it that way. I just go, you fear, you love them so much, you fear disappointing them. Well, that's the way I was going to put it, but a reverent fear is a perfect way to fear the Lord. And as Christians, I hope each one of us has a reverent fear. My lesson come out of Ecclesiastes, and you all know I'm not an Old Testament person. I shy away from it the best I can because it's just too hard for me to put more. I got this, started doing this, and I have fell in love with Ecclesiastes. I mean, I've read it three times from front to, it's 12 chapters, it's not a long read. And it just fascinates me that I had never picked it up before. And I, I ask each one of y'all, if you get bored or you get down, just read Ecclesiastes. It means so much because who wrote Ecclesiastes? And it was the wisest man that's ever been on earth. None before him was as wise as him, and none after him has been wise. If we turn to 1 Kings, it'll tell us. And that's, it puts more meaning to it, I think. And 1 Kings 12. We all know the story of Solomon. Was his David's son, and he he went and offered what did it say in verse four? Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on the altar. The Lord appeared and told Solomon in a dream by night. God said, "Ask what shall I give you?" And what did Solomon ask for? Wisdom. So there you go to verse twelve. Well, let's start in eleven. Then God said to him, Because you have asked this thing and have not asked for long life for yourself, nor have asked for riches for yourself, nor have asked the life of your enemies, but have asked for your, your, for your under, self understanding to discern justice. Behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart, so that there has not been anyone like you before, nor shall any like you arise after you. And I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall be not be anyone like you among the kings of all your days. Now that's a pretty glowing statement. 
He's the wisest man ever on earth. Of course, he couldn't hold a light to God or Jesus, but, but as a man on earth, he gave him the wisdom. We know the story about Solomon. He done a really good life, didn't he? He messed up like every man on earth messes up. It, but at the end of his life, and this is when he, you know, he was writing Ecclesiastes, he's at the end of his life, and he still was the wisest man, even when he messed up. He'd done some things God commanded him not to do. He'd done them, and it cost him. We've all done the same thing. And let me assure you, every time you go against the God's commandments, it costs you. And the wisest man went against them, so that gives me hope for the dumbest can get there too some way or another. So. But Solomon in, in chapter 12 is where my lesson come from. And, it's, and, and the whole book, y'all read it sometime, but, the, but 12, Solomon told us how, how life is. You have four stages in life. And if we, I'm not going to read the chapter, but it's the first verse, remember, now your creator in the days of your youth before the difficult days come and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. That covers it all. <clears throat> I'm not sure I turned my mic on. No, I did, didn't I? Y'all can hear me? We have four stages in life. We're born, and then we, there's the youth stage. Now, what year do you get out of youthfulness? Some of us grow up at 10 or 12 or 20, and some of us took 50 years. I got a brother that we all laugh, said he's, he's 70 and he ain't grown up yet, but he's getting there. It's just some of us mature later than others. But Solomon said, you will go through your youth. Do not forsake the Lord in your youth, because if you start off right, your track will be much better. Then you go into the middle age to where you're stepping up, you're maturing, and, and you're standing up for yourself. Your youth, you're basically under your mom and dad's guidance. You're not held accountable to God for his commandments until you're old enough and wise enough to understand the commandments. You're held to your mom and dad's commandments while you're in the youth. And if you had a good mom and dad, you had a sore hiney sometimes because we all fall short. I can look back at 72 and see how much smarter my dad was than he was when I was in 22. And that's the way we do as we grow up mature. The middle age is when you start your own families and you start having to be boss of the young ones. And that's when we're turning every crank and we're going through life and making, making a living and, and times start getting tougher. They don't get easier. And your youth is the easiest time of your walk here on earth. But then in the middle age, you're starting held accountable for all your actions. And then you get into the old age. What did he say? Where I have no pleasure in them. Because, you know, as you get old, it gets tougher. I can't, I'm not the oldest. Ben Valera's here. They still show up every day. I bet you it's a lot harder for them to get to church today than it was 20 years ago. But they're still coming. We get to the point, though, and the whole chapter explains what happens as we get older. 
But we do get old. That's the third stage. And we die. When we die, you move into the fourth stage, which is eternity. And that's what Solomon, the wisest man on earth, the end of his, the whole book of Ecclesiastes is all about earth and the problems that come with it. And what do you end up? He's saying, it's all vanity. Everything on earth is, is vanity. It disappears. There's nothing going to survive. Uh, everything we accumulate, whether you're in business, you're not in business, it doesn't matter. Your good deeds you've done on earth, when you die, they're over. He said in, chapter, in verse 5, goes through all that, but then he says, a man goes to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets mourning. For how long? A day? A two? A week? A month? A year? It's irrelevant how long, but it's over. Then you're in your final stage where there's no more fixing it. You're, you've, our, our walk here on earth fixes our walk in eternity. That's the way he explained it. Of course, my whole, my whole lesson comes from verse 13 and 14. At the end of Ecclesiastes, Solomon says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. You know... He's going he's gonna to bring everything, all of our works, good and bad. We all have bad ones. What's going to get us through them bad ones? Jesus Christ. Because he's there taking our place. He's covered our sins with his, his perfect example. And uh, we need to... 14... God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. He is going to do exactly what he said, and we need to fear him. Now, let's turn to Matthew, the seventh chapter. And I'll read a verse from there. Seven and twenty-one. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. And what's the will of our Father in heaven? Follow his commandments. You know, our whole life boils down to obedience, either to God or to the world, to God or the devil. We're going to get to that in a minute. Y'all know one of my favorite sayings and I found a verse that backs me up, I think, so I'm cool with that. We are to keep his commandments. In 6, again, Matthew 6, 6 chapter, he cleared up, he cleared it a little better, so let me read that. I'm supposed to read it before I turn my pages back. 6 <laughs> chapter, 19 and 20. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where 
Thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He told us, nothing on earth matters. Don't laze up treasures here, because they're going to be gone away. You can't take them with you. And so we only have one thing to do. Fear the Lord and keep his commandments. It's two things, I guess. But you're not going to keep his commandments unless you fear him, so really, they really go together. It boils down to, to obedience. And how important is obedience? Well, it's already said. Fear God and keep his commandments. There's three things obedience brings to us. First thing, if you're obedient to God's word, that's one of the ways you can show our love to God. Mark, the 12th chapter, 30 and 31. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like this, is that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. If we do his commandments, we're showing our love to him. Because if you don't love the Lord, you're not going to follow his commandments. So how do we, one good thing out of obedience is that we show God that we love him. In John, in 1 John 5 and 20, 5 and verse 2 and 3. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. I wonder why it keeps sticking to if we love God, we're going to keep his commandments. It says it clearly. That covers one reason, obedience. Second thing obedience does is show that we believe in God by our obedience, because if you don't have the obedience, then you don't believe in God. So, we need to remember, you know, there's a, plenty of them in Hebrews. Of course, the chapter of Hebrews 11 is the, of the, is the chapter of, uh, I lost my place, but I'll find it again. 11 and 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please God, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We know that in Hebrews, there was plenty that, that was obedient. Abraham, Sarah, Abel, Enoch, Moses, and a million others. What did every one of them do? What did every one of them that was... They had the faith and believing in God and they proved the faith by their obedience to what God asked them to do. So that's the second thing about obedience. <clears throat> Third thing is when we're obedient to God, we show Him we're wise. Now, do we consider ourselves wise? If we stayed totally obedient, I think we could be wise. Wiser than Solomon. But guess what? No one was wiser than Solomon, so Let's turn to Colossians, third chapter, verse 16. 
Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and the Father through all. 1 Corinthians. We'll go. If you do God's will, you're proven that you're a wise man. There's another verse, and I got, I've lost it, but it's here. I'll find it in a minute. 24. I missed it, but I missed it. Let's go back to Hebrews, 11th chapter, because it's an important one. 11th chapter, verse 24 to 26. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he looked to the reward. All these, by faith, God was a greater gift than what the world had to offer, showing that the <clears throat> that that uh, what's more important and what's a bigger job I think I put too many verses down because I'm sure getting lost but let me try one more see if I've done it I know y'all understand when you're okay let's do Matthew, the seventh chapter. I should have read it just a minute ago, but y'all know how my brain is. So. But I don't want to miss it. Seventh chapter, verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on a rock. We know the story. He likened him to a wise man because he'd done what he asked him to do. He followed God's commandments. So that's the third thing you get out of being obedient. Is you show God that you're wise. And God says, if you keep my commandments, I will liken you, I will liken him to a wise man. That's what Jesus said. This is, I was reading Jesus' quote. So we got three things we get out of obedience. <clears throat> now, being obedient, we can cause a stink or two. And I wanted to bring this up. Are we all obedient to God all the time? You know, we're all obedient when his wants are the same as our wants. But how often are we obedient to him when his wants are different than our wants? <clears throat> I was visiting with a guy the other day about church. And he said, well, I don't like y'all's church because you don't have music and I like music. I said, well, I, we make a big deal out of a musical instrument, but that's not the, I don't think that's the deal. I don't think... The musical instrument has anything to do with it. But I do think what God wants is, has something to do with it. Are you coming to church for what you want or for what God wants? He said, well, I don't think he cares. I said, well, all I know, obedience means you do what God wants whether you like it or not. Now, every one of us follow God's word. Christians, church of Christ is raised, you had to be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. Some churches, you just have to ask for forgiveness. Are we all, we all can't be right, but 
You have to follow the Bible close to it as you can close. I got some verses for singing. That, and and I must. I like to whistle a lot more than I like to sing. And I'm a lot better whistler than I am a singer. But why don't I get to whistle in church? I've argued this point with old Charlie forever and ever. Because it's disruptive. It's, it's my voice. It ain't man-made. I mean, I mean, it's not an instrument. He said, make with your lips. Well, let you whistle with your lips. Why do we do it? It's because it's not, it's not what... what we should be doing. I'm, I skipped a page, but it won't matter. It's going to be long enough anyway. So, so let's go to the next thing. Why We could have got into it. I had some verses of where God commands us to sing, but we'll skip that one. But why do we have the Lord's Supper every Sunday? Because God said to have it every Sunday. Why did he? God give us our memories. You know, every memory we have, every one of us has something that jogs our memory back tokens that we've kept from from Mary dug out some pictures a while back cleaning my mom's stuff up pictures and they just bring memories back flooding God give us memories and they're good why did God institute to take the Lord's Supper for each week we could remember what we're doing here we're here to honor Jesus Christ and his sacrifice and God we're not here to pleasure ourselves do we get pleasure out of it? If you love God, you will get pleasure out of pleasing Him. How many of us love to please our mom and dads? Some of them's gone, but we still look back. You can remember how, as older ages, we love pleasing. We're pleasing the Lord every time we come and take His Lord's Supper. It's very important. But we're going to get back to the obedience to I like to tell this story. I didn't pick this story out just because he's a farmer, but this man died. He left a will. He had two sons, and he left the will and gave the farm to his two sons. And in his will, he said, no, I want you boys to have it, and there's three blocks. Block one, I want y'all to plant wheat on it because that's good wheat ground, and I want y'all to plant wheat on it. And then the second block is a real good block for cotton, and I want y'all to plant cotton on it. And the third block, I want orchard put on it, so plant orchard trees. So after the funeral and all, and they had the wheel red, and the boys went to the first block, and they looked at it and said, well, we think Daddy's pretty smart. We'll plant wheat on that block. Then they went to the second block, and, well, yeah, he's still, he's still doing right. We'll plant cotton on that one. They went third block, and they said, Ah, we think he's nuts. There ain't no way trees will grow here good, so we're not going to plant trees on it. The story is how many times did they honor their father's will? Most everybody would say twice. No, they never honored his will. Or they wouldn't have went and looked at it and see if they agreed with him. If they was honoring his will, they'd have just went and planted the wheat and never looked at it because that was his will. They had to go make sure his will followed their will. And that's what got me to thinking. How often... Do we do what God wants? How often do we come to church on Sundays? How often do we do all this? But now wait a minute. We're uh, blending the two churches together. Now we've got a little bit of confusion with the, with the 
Spanish brethren and our brethren together. And I don't like it. Well, what, what, what does God like? What are we doing? Throwing our own two cents worth in. We need to always remember what God wants. What's God want? He wants obedience. Uh, some people don't like having church at 6 o'clock. We used to have it at 6. We moved at 5. There were some that complained. Well, and it, some liked it better at 5, and some liked it better at 6. And some like it real good at, when we have our Sunday afternoon once a month meal, and we have church at 1.30, 2.30, and then we're out for the rest of the day. Does it really matter? What's God's will? God's will first all be together and on one page and not, not putting our own two cents worth in. Putting what God wants. If every one of us done exactly what God wanted, we would be 100% unison. But as people of the world, we don't get that done real often. Our small church, I know a big church that's really in a stink right now because over how they're going to make this great big move. And they need to, we, we visited about it this week, and, and he said, well, we really have some problems. I said, well, the only problem you've got, and it's only because I was studying this lesson that I brought that up, I said, is what's God's will? Y'all got fighting over three or four of your different ideas, but what's God's will, and you'll quit fighting. He said, you could be right. We're going to bring that up. I hope they do, and I hope they work it out. But when we have a problem, and we don't agree, and guess how often, that happens often, what do we, if me and Brad, and we argue quite often about everything, but when we argue, what does it matter? It's our opinions, it's fine, but when it comes to church, it's not our opinions that matter. And if we're arguing our opinion, we have already messed up. But we need to argue. The reason we're doing this is because this is what the Bible says. And if you get the Bible out, guess what? Christians will come to the same conclusion. One, God's. So that's what we need to remember. You cannot please God without obedience. Obedience is what controls the world. You either choose to be obedient to God or obedient to the devil. There's no other choices in life. Because if you think about it, well, I'm not for the devil, but I don't like the way God says it. You either are or you're not. Now, we make life so tough, and it's not tough. It's very simple. Life is two choices, heaven or hell, the devil or God. Who do you want to follow? Because you're going to follow one or the other. There's no in-between. You can't get in the middle of the road. All you're going to do is get run over if you get in the middle. What did God say? Being middle road, being lukewarm is worse than... I'd rather somebody to totally deny me or totally accept me, but a lukewarm deal I will spew out of my mouth. How much worse can it be? The reward of, of obedience, let's look in James, the fifth chapter. He said, James, the fifth chapter, verse 16. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. How do we get righteousness? By obedience. 
you will not be a righteous man if you don't have obedience to God. We make it a point. You have so many that believe that Jesus Christ, and you have to accept him. But you have to have you have to get it all to be obedience. Romans chapter eight. It's sure getting hot up here. <laughs> chapter eight, verses one and two. There is neither now no condemnation for those who are in Christ, who do not walk according to the flesh, but walk according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Jesus Christ has made me free from the sin, from the law of sin and death. So, what do we get out of being obedient? We get peace. And then we can turn. I got the four things that you get from being obedient. And if you're not obedient, you're not going to get them. The world does not give peace. Nowhere in the world will you find peace. I was a lot busier than I am now and a lot doing. All the world brings is you want more. You can never get enough of it. There's no peace that comes with the world. Let me find Galatians here. Galatians 4, 26 and 27. But the but the Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of us all. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren, you do not bear. Break forth. You do not bear. Break forth and shout. You who are not in labor, for the desolate has many more children than she has who has a husband. I've got to write the wrong verse down there. <laughs> but that's... Part of my blame, but but we all know if you believe in God and follow His commandments, you will be saved. Now, being obedient will bring us into the church, into His family. We will be added, not from us. We don't add each other. Trent got baptized because he wanted to be part of God's church. I hope each one of us got baptized. But who put us in our church? Did we vote him in? Absolutely not. Jesus did. Jesus, it's his church. We're members of it, and we need to remember. Obedience is fearing the Lord and keeping his commandments. To finish up, since I did, Joe didn't have to sing all them verses. <laughs> if you have not obeyed the Lord, you cannot know peace of mind that comes from Jesus. The world offers nothing. Only God offers the hope of eternity, the peace of mind, eternity with no pain, no suffering, no storms of life, only joy, no darkness, only, only all good if we fear Him and keep His commandments. Jesus is the only one that can save us. So if you hadn't been baptized in Jesus' death, you're not saved. And that's something you all we want to take seriously. If you have been baptized and you've fallen away, 
you've got the right to come back. That's the great thing about Jesus. He will always bring you back if you just ask. We've got to confess our sins. That's just a must. Not for Jesus. He knows we sin. God and Him knew already. It's for us to realize our shortcomings. We have to bring them out and open. <clears throat> if you're not obeying His commandments, you're not going to get to heaven. We need to remember Ecclesiastes, and that, that's the reason I fell in love with this, is that one verse from the wisest man in the Bible, wisest man on earth that's been here before and after. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is, the, is man's all. If we fear him and keep his commandments, we have no fear. We fear him out of, how did Trevor put it? Out of respect, out of, you fear him, still fear him, but out of reverence. You fear him because he's God and he has saved us. If anyone needs his help, all they have to do is come as we sing.